Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for all that you're doing. Father, we ask for your river of living water to come forth, Father. We ask for the oracles from heaven, God. We don't want to hear from a man. We don't want to hear from, 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 from an agenda, God. We want to hear from heaven. We want to know what your plans are, what you want us to do, Father God. We want the anointing that breaks the yoke, Father God. We want to, we want to hear from heaven today, God, because your word not only just comes, God, the kingdom of God is not in word only but in power God so when we preach and teach and bring your word forth Father God we ask we expect for the kingdom of God to move all around us and where we go Father God and we thank you Father God for you we ask for the spirit of wisdom and understanding to come in the mighty name of Jesus and Father I ask you to bring this word forth the way you put it on my heart the way you you birthed it Father in the mighty name of Jesus Amen this message is called The Insanity of Christianity. And I was going to call it something else, of course, but this one caught my attention when I felt it in my spirit. And it's basically going to be based on the, the life of, or the, not the life of Jonah, actually just the se that season of Jonah. And God's given me a lot of insight and revelation on it to bring it into our lives today. All Jonah had to do was obey God. And we know God is gracious, slow to anger, and He's good. Jonah wanted what Jonah wanted. So, so many Christians live in a smelly place. Everything around them sometimes becomes, begins to stink. Why? They want what they, they want, not what God wants, not realizing that God is so, so good. His presence is His peace and joy. In the Old Testament, the devil is not really referred to because he was not defeated yet. So it was faith and choices that protected God's people. But if we look at Saul, not Saul that became Paul, but Saul that was in the Old Testament, let us realize that the devil was there before man. And the devil was tormenting Jonah in his in sin and was deceiving Jonah, robbing his inheritance. His pride about me, myself, and I was his biggest problem. But when we become all about God and His will and others, we will be and live in a place of peace and glory. Not everything is the devil. But what you believe, you will achieve. The fish was God's mercy. Of his, and God's, it was God's mercy, but none of His mercy is ever needed in obedience. Some of His grace and mercy does not look like what false grace or hyper-grace portrays. Sin and disobedience always will need lots of grace and mercy. What does your grace and mercy look like? Possibly, you don't discern rightly God is good. When we are not where and doing what God is doing, well, actually, when we are not, mess that up, but anyway, does God's grace, is, what does God's grace really look like? Learn to stay in His presence. Romans 13, 1 through 8. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power. Now let us just as Christians, just because this has been taken out of context many times, you know, because basically one day the Antichrist will rule the world and we're not going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar or Baal or to the devil. So don't let religion take you to like, I got to do this and I, I got to, you know, kill my baby because, you know, there's, 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 there's the leading of the spirit and everything. But he's saying in, in ordinances, in traffic signs and things that God expects us to obey authority and our, and, our, and our parents, our mother and father and, you know, our teachers in school and all these types of things in the spirit of me. He's not telling us to obey them when they cause us to sin. But right now, let's focus on God as the high power, as being the father to us all as Christians. This is what he's saying. And 
them that, that resist shall receive, and these ordinances, God, they shall, re shall receive themselves damnation. For the rulers are not of terror, or terror to good works, but, but to the evil will they then be afraid of the power. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God for thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon all them that doeth evil. Wherefore your needs must be, sub be subject, not only for the wrath, but also for, the, for conscience sake. This is where we I preached about um, casting down imaginations. Satan puts imaginations. We need to know the Word of God that we cast down things that, don't, that exalt themselves higher than what God says that, that come against what God is saying to our hearts and minds. For this cause we pay tribute also to God's ministers attending continually upon the very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute, and custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. And now, I'm, now let's bring it up way higher. God. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. He that loveth has fulfilled the law. Now just think, God speaks to all of us now. We're His children. And I think a lot of situations that Christians or believers begin to get into is they don't, they don't obey God. God tells them to do something, but they don't do it fully or the way He wants them to do it. I've come and out there. People think we're crazy just because we hear God. But the Bible says that His sheep hear His voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And God's not going to correct us in something unless He knows in our heart that we already know that we know that what He's telling us to do. Because if we don't really know, He's not gonna, gonna, going to penalize. Well, Jonah knew what to do. And Paul was telling them what to do. The Word of God we have what to do. So basically sin is also disobeying God as well when we start to do things that He's given us the power over. So let us concentrate on this. Jonah's rebellion, rebellious attitude caused him to be tossed, to be captive, to be lonely. Was, it was not God creating, though. He did it. God didn't want Jonah to disobey him, but he did, and God had to step in. It was rebellion creating the consequences that make us repent. Almost, the, that is the grace that we don't see. Sometimes what we do and the things that start to happen in our life get us to go and do what God... But God wants to get us all to a point where we just go and do what He says to do. And that's, that's what He's doing in our heart. Rebellion, He says we have rebellious children and unrebellious children. Vessels of hay, wood, and stubble in a house and vessels of... Uh, silver and gold and some prepared for the master's use. God can't use someone that's rebellious. And he starts to look at the little things. And then with that, he looks at how you um, treat and listen to people with authority on the earth. The, the, the level of, of, of us obeying who God has over us and around us in the natural basically there's no way you say, I obey God all the time, and you can't obey the people that you see. It's common like saying, I love God, but I don't love my brother who I can see. It's basically that kind of thing. So when we see people are rebellious in the natural, we know they're probably rebellious in spirit, because only that person really knows what God's really telling them to do. And then all of a sudden, all these storms come around them, and they, they, they might even say, well, I'm doing it, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but you know what? Something's got to be wrong. Well, no, I've given my finances, but they're always in financial turmoil. Well, maybe some, maybe they're not really telling the full truth, because God's not a man that he should lie. He always stands by his word, and he always blesses those, we're, we're, we're called to be blessed. So if things are happening in our life, there's something that we're probably not doing. It's, and then we end up blaming God or blaming that. And that's where the insanity, I believe, comes in. The insanity of Christianity, being in storms that you create. Not the storms that, like when Jesus said, go out on the water and, he, and God created the storm to test their faith. There will be storms in our life that test our faith. But God... God ordains those storms. I'm talking about the storms in our life that we create because of rebellion. 
Galatians 5.19 Because what ends up happening is we begin to come in, a, in, a, in, 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 in an environment in our own life of witchcraft. We begin to think crazy. We begin to act crazy. We begin to feel like we're not even, we have no peace. Why? Because of witchcraft. Because rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft means rebellion gets you in an environment where you're hearing the devil more than you're hearing God. You're hearing your own intentions, your own will, and your own heart more than you're basically being able to hear God. So all those things get you back into consecration that you might follow God. So then you repent. Let's read it right now. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Know the works of the flesh manifest adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, and witchcraft. He's not, most Christians aren't sitting down with a Ouija board doing that. He's talking about the witchcraft of rebellion. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, and strunkness, murders, revelings, and such like of these tell you that you in times past... Those that do such thing will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? We all know now because we say joy, peace, and righteousness. That is our promised land here. That is our inheritance. And when that starts to leave, we can't blame God. God's not saying you won't be persecuted. He's not saying you're going to have great things and be not and everyone's going to love you. No, He's talking about this inter. He says that, that peace that... Only God can give the peace that surpasses all understanding that people don't even understand or can even uh, understand it. It's, that's the peace that Jesus gives, and it's in His righteousness and in His time. So, what ends up happening is rebellious brothers and sisters affect everybody else. Because if they're in a storm, then... They come in or they come around us and all of a sudden we start feeling the vibe. You know, new age, like say, oh, I'm feeling it. But really what it is, is we're, we're picking up the person's peace or their joy, someone's joy. You know, someone said laughter's um, contagious and, and it's good medicine to the bones and all that. And joy is contagious too. If you get around a bunch of people and someone comes in with that, they're going to... Th Start to be like, oh, I'm, you know, but then if this person's infecting the environment, it's like I said before, you have an infection on your arm. Well, infection starts to make your whole body tired. It starts to make you sick. If you get a stomach infection, it just doesn't deal with your stomach, although your stomach might be feeling, and now we are the body of Christ, right? So all of a sudden, you know, you hurt your, your toe, your body's going to feel it because your brain is like the Holy Spirit. He's gonna, it's going to affect everybody. That's why it's important what we do personally as a corporate, as a corporate entity, as a body of Christ. And people's like, well, mind your own business. I'm going through my... Yeah, but when you're going through something, everyone else has to. Because then when you're going through that, if it's from rebellion and you're going through that, now you're not doing the thing in the Spirit that you're supposed to be doing to making the body move. See, so, it's, so rebellion doesn't just affect the person, it affects everybody around that God has put it. If you have a rebellious person at work, they're not going to do what the boss says, and all of a sudden it's going to line up on everyone around thing because that person is supposed to be doing this task, this assignment, and all of a sudden they're doing something different, so it's like the teamwork gets messed up. The same as the body function. So... Jonas's rebellion was caused him to be tossed and being to being captive and 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 he was lonely and he was creating this himself. So are you affecting your environment or are you infecting your environment? See, we want to infect the environment with peace and joy. See, all of us can only have you know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to, to control, you know, what we eat, what we see, what we do. So at the end of the day, our peace, no one else could be able to take our peace. But in, in, in a sense of everything is if we have to go and, you know, counsel and do this and convince people to, to obey God all the time, we're not being able to do what we're supposed to do. So... When people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, it really affects everyone. Because then we got to go cheerily. Then we got to go, not. But it's that's what we do for love. It's not that we're complaining about that. But if imagine if everybody did exactly what God wanted to do and what He did, how much more effective 
the ministry would be and ministries in the body of Christ in a whole on the earth. So what Jonah's problem was, was his heart. His way, his selfishness. Even in times, Jonah did obey, but only to change his own circumstances. You see, Jonah never did it for God. And we're going to read just like this. Let's go to 1 Samuel just to get a, 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 a foundation of, 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 of what rebellious, rebellion causes. Samuel 15, 20. 1 to 20, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 through 24. Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Some of you already knew I was going to go to this scripture. They know, know the Bible. <laughs> Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So you might be disobeying God in that. Well, but you're coming to Friday prayer, you're coming to outreach, you're coming Sunday, you're coming that, and you're like, yeah, that's my Sabbath. But you're really not obeying what God's telling you to do in your daily life, or, or the things, or where He's telling you to go, or how He's telling you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you're doing, you're doing the thing, and that's where we become religious too, because we don't even start to enjoy to be around God, because we leave His presence at home. So, for... Sacrifice and obeying the voice of God is better than sacrifice to hearken, hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is the iniquity of idolatry. So when we're stubborn, you know, God's got to tell you ten times. That's stubborn. Or someone's got to, or, you know, so, or, or someone's got to tell you if you're a child and, like, and your parents say take out the garbage, you know, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, you got to take out the garbage and you got to be asked three times, then you're stubborn. You should start to learn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my, my father, let's say in heaven, or now we're saying mommy and daddy, proud of me, happy. I'm going to mark it on my calendar, but I put little sticky notes in my room. If you really want to obey God, he's going to see that and he's going to reward you. What type of parent's not going to want to reward their kid? Or mom and dad got to ask three or four times, take out the garbage to the street. You should already know that. So when you don't do that, you got to ask that. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden you feel, then all of a sudden the devil comes and then you feel bad because, so if we learn to just do naturally when God tells us to do something, there's where we stay in this peaceful place. So, for the rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is the iniquity of idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected thee from being king. So God had told, not going to get into all that, him what to do and how to do it, but Saul said he's going to do it his way and the way he wants. He, he did the sacrifice too when he wasn't even supposed to. And, 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 and basically he went and God told him, you know, you have to kill this and kill all these and don't leave none, I think it was. And then he ended up saying, well, this would be better. That's what we do in ministry. Well, it would be better if we witness this way. It will be better if we send out, you know, God said, don't even send out flyers. Don't be looking for people. to. God will draw people to the church and His Spirit leads them. When you go out, you get false converts. When you try to uh, man please and get people to come to church for different reasons, it, it, at the end it doesn't make a difference if they're not there led by the Spirit of God. So when we begin to do things and if we don't kill these things in life, see, See, God knows better than us, so knowing to kill that king or do that thing, what it would have done in the future generations, just as, as, as what happened with, with um, Ishmael. All the problems, because, well, we have, you know, I'm, you know, God said this, but it wasn't exactly the way He said it. God sees the problems that things cause down the road. The world comes and goes on our things and on our messages out there and like, oh, look at your God, how God, because they don't understand the spirit of the thing when God's writing something in the Bible, just like he puts this story about Jonah. There's a reason why it's us. For us to know and learn and know his heart and know what is important to God and what he winks at. See, what God winks at, some of the religious make a big deal out of. And what they don't make a big deal out of, religious people, God uh, makes a big deal out of it. We got to know what's a big, really big deal to God, and let's not let's let's follow Him. And I think one of the biggest things in the Bible, it isn't even when David fell into sin, because he had a heart after God. It was that disobedient heart, and then a heart 
I'm going to do my own thing. That's the pride. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So it's the pride of, of, that brings witchcraft in our life. It's doing it our way, me, myself, or thinking about ourselves before others. And before what God's telling. Because we know when we think about God's business and what He wants, He takes care of our business all the time. He takes care of our job. He takes care of our finances. But when we decide to do it on our own the way we want, what ends up happening? We got to do it on our own. And see, we got to get rid of these, these selfish ambitions that God never put on our heart and exchange them for what He has for us to do on the earth right now. That's where, because in the end times, if, if, if the Antichrist system comes or if things get changed in a couple elections and laws get changed and we can't even be here legally and, and, and we can't have things, really what's going to come down to it is, thank God I have peace, joy, and righteousness because that's all we really need. And, that's, and with Him, he can, he can turn water into wine. He can put a, fi, a coin in the fish's mouth. So really, it's God's presence is what we live for. So, and David did all for God, but he never had a problem like this because look what Saul did. For the rebellious sin, because you have rejected, it was what it was, the word of the Lord. And I have rejected you from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of God. Because I feared the people and obeyed not, and obeyed their voice. I think, indirectly, the Logos Word of God, many of us have a hard time following all that. We all fall in it. But it's that when we know God tells us something like directly, like Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he's going to, hey, through your loins and your, you know, through, you know, not... And then later the enemy comes and we come and we have a big idea. We don't, we don't learn to wait on God and trust Him. Then all of a sudden we begin to do things, good things. Not, I'm not talking about even sin, but he, that kind of stuff really irritates God. Like that's because He knows what ends up happening in the end is the power leaves, the anointing leaves. Because when we begin to do things our way, see, see Paul didn't do things the way the people wanted him to do. Jesus didn't bend and do things the way the system that he, he, was, he was basically called a, a, a uh, cult leader, but he was the only authentic one that was ordained from God that was able to come and do a new thing. And they didn't want to, but they didn't hear the voice of God in them. But deep down, God knew they knew because of their heart, but their heart was evil. So what ended up happening is they killed Jesus, but at, at, at the same time, if they, many of them, I believe, and many after followed Him and came out too because they, they bared witness in their heart and their spirit that it was the Word of the Lord. So when God's preaching a message and He speaks in your heart, He says, okay, you know what? I want you to do this. I want you to do that. But see, you got to be careful that it isn't a strange voice or your own voice, and then all of a sudden you put God's name on it. Because when you do that, you still don't have peace. Because we can try to convince ourselves that something's God. But I'm talking about that thing. God says, leave that job and you stay there for a month or two. Or He says, go, go to this place and get the job. And you don't do it. And then you, and a month later, you're wondering why you're having problems. Because He has the best for you. So when we, don't, when we decide to step the other way or go the other direction... Then all of a sudden we create storms in our life because God's going to get you back in His will. That's what we're called to do. Be in the will of God. So it wasn't even David's sin situation when they came, his weaknesses of his flesh, but he did not have a rebellious heart. You see, even in, in the sin, David had a heart after God. Unbelief also was one of Jonah's problems. Keep thinking on this word stubborn as you ask yourself in the world we have this guy's story in this book it's not a prophecy in a sense it's a it's an encounter or a situation of a prophet the certain elements as it is is for us now let's take a look jonah chapter one 
Now the word came unto Jonah. See, he knew the word came to Jonah. And the son of Imetay saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So he's got an assignment, just like God said, go to, go to Columbia and go that. I mean, it's not even that detailed. I said, go to Columbia. He's not even telling us to go to here, here. Just like, go. it's very easy. Don't go or go. Jonah's like, go to Nineveh. And he said, cry for that city. God had an assignment for him. But Jonah rose up <laughs> and fleed unto Tarsus from what? The presence of God. When you're in the will of God, you're in the presence of God. When you're in disobedience from God, the presence leaves. That's a great sign that you're not obeying God or something. That's a great time to hit your knees when you start to lose His presence. And I'm not saying a storm came and some unexpected news. And I'm talking about you're just stirred inside and you're like, you just can't have any peace and you think you're doing everything right. Well, something maybe you forgot you didn't do or you're doing that ain't right or what God told you to do. And he went down to Joppa. So, he went down to Joppa and he found a ship. So he went down to where the ship's at and he jumps on. He's like, he went the total other way. I mean, that's insanity of Christianity. And I think a lot of us do that. And we want to put situations in front of God. We want to put man please in front of God. Well, Jonah must have really been man. He didn't really want to tell them. Was it because of his own... I mean, you know, a lot of people don't want to go preach because, you know, I don't know. They're going to reject me. They're going to say this. But if God's called you, He's going to equip you. And if He's telling you to do something, He knows better than us. So, this guy got on a ship and he went to Tarnas. And he, he paid the fare and he went down into it to go to them <clears throat> and tarnish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Now, He's on a ship, and he, well, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you just have no peace around you. You're in a storm. We're called to live, even if there's a storm, you can have the peace. Jesus was in the storm, and he was sleeping in the back of the boat. But when you're in this storm, you're going to be holding on. It's just, what's going on? You can't sleep. You can't do this. You're restless. You, you're, you get angry real quick, people. You might be in a storm, because that's not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the is the presence of God. So you're leaving, leaving that place and what ends up happening? That's God's grace. Because if you just, everything was just normal, you'd never know that you were doing the wrong thing. So, the wind and the sea, they were mighty and the tempest of the sea and that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and they cried every man unto his God. So, instead of going there, he went into the world. And cast forth their wares, and were in the ship into the sea, and they lightened the load unto them. But Jonah was gone down on the side of the ship, and lay, and he was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, Now not only that, he didn't have the fear of the Lord. Look at that. He's not even caring what's going on. This guy was, was totally, totally... And I see many Christians that they, they, they know what they're going to do and they don't even care what's going on around them. Have you seen that? Like all of a sudden you know something's going on, all that, and they're like, I don't care, I don't care. Stubbornness, right? Rebellion. Well, that's what Jonah, and the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise upon thy God, and be that God will think upon us that we not perish. And he said unto them, One to his to his fellow, come and let us cast lots. We may know who, whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray, for what caused this evil upon us. This is where I'm talking about. Our rebellion causes stuff to happen around people. Even in the world it happened to Jonah. Right? Because God... And now imagine in the church, in, the, in our settings. This is what I'm saying. Like our, our, our consequence of rebellion do affect people around us. So if you don't care about yourself, start caring about the people around you. Because that's right here. All of a sudden, because of Jonah's, Jonah's rebellion, now, now the, the whole boat, everybody in that ship is facing 
the storm of his rebellion because of him. So, they cast lot and they tell everyone, pray, and who's caused this evil? And what, then they asked him, what is your occupation and whence you coming from? What is what and what thy country and of what thou people thou art? And he said unto them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. You're, you're a Hebrew and you're lying. <laughs> That's what many people, oh yeah, I fear the Lord. But you look at their life and you're like, how do you fear the Lord? And, you know, without saying anything details, we, I mean, there's... And then there's these other things that nobody there knew what he was doing. He probably looked like a Hebrew on the outside. He probably had his little Jewish thing and his that and maybe did all the prayers. And, you know, he was doing the sacrifice, but he was in, in rebellion. And then he says he fears the Lord because they know they better fear the Lord. He was taught we better fear the Lord. We're taught the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, you're a foolish not to fear the Lord. So in Christianity, we don't fear the world or the things of the world or those that can kill, them, kill the body, and, but we fear the one that can put our body into hell forever, in eternity. So the only healthy fear is the fear of the Lord. Every other fear is from the devil. The, every other fear is from our own pride or our own way because we were afraid of man or afraid of the things of man. So in relationship, we learn and in, and in the presence of God is peace. So... He says, and I fear the Lord. Now, that just blew my mind when I read that. I'm like, okay, if you fear the Lord, why did you go this direction when he told that? And then you ask Christians, don't you fear the Lord? I fear the Lord. But if you do, then why would you make this decision? So really we say the things that we get so used to saying right. in Christianity. And we say, 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 but I was like, remember... And, and, and then in James, it's talking about being, and we hear, 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 and sometimes we hear so much we say it, but we don't really believe it because we don't do it. But Jesus and James and others say, but, but, but if you do the word, that actually shows, and Jesus said, those are who are my brothers and sisters are. Those that do the will of the Father. It's like, I don't care if you were born in my household. Jesus said, and that's my mother Mary. I mean, you know, Mary had to go get saved too. When she got born, when, when Jesus, what, she needed the blood of Jesus. She was uh, so, he's like, if she goes AWOL and starts not fearing the Lord and does her own thing, I wouldn't account even my mother to be my brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. So, he says, and you will know my disciples by their fruits. So, we, we have all of these scriptures to understand things, not to judge people, to understand, you know. I'm not going to want to hang around a rebellious Christian all the time because I don't want to go through storms because I'm with those type of people. So we begin to connect to people that want to follow God. So it's like birds of a feather flock together. And I like to say, I don't want to be hanging around a bunch of chickens. Eagles don't hang around chickens. Eagles hang around eagles and they fly high by the Spirit. So we begin to hang around people. And that's where, you know, we end up getting different types of, of churches, you know, and different levels. It's because it's really not different levels. It's actually groups of people that only want to obey or follow God to a certain level. So, you know, other people are like, I can't be around this anymore. Cause so basically, our bar is Jesus. And as, as our bar continues to climb higher and higher, we begin to get changed into His image. And we begin to, and it begins to be our pleasure to do the will of the Lord instead of, ugh. See, that, when, when it begins to be our pleasure, that means we've, we're dying to ourselves and He's blessing us. And everything that we're beginning to try to fulfill it, like... Having no mortgage on our house, God, that doesn't satisfy me anymore. Oh, preached to thousands and thousands and thousands of people on platform before. I've done that. That doesn't satisfy me anymore. Travel to 35 nations. Oh, done that now. It doesn't satisfy me anymore. Go down the list. Uh, um, secure and, and, and this. Or people think if I can just do this. If, well, when I get this. I'll be satisfied. Oh, you know, uh, wrote five books now. That doesn't satisfy. People say, if I can just get a book. Well, one book, what satisfies us? The presence of God. Because all things are about His presence. And it's so funny. Just like it said, Jonah left the presence of the Lord because until, until God told him to do something, he was in the presence of God. Things are cool. Just like we see when Cain and Abel was 
Cain was put out. It was out of the presence of God. So he, he went into to the land of Nod. And it was basically, he would live his whole life out of the presence of God. And the, and the curse was that no one could kill him. And he would live a, a horrible life. And I believe so many Christians are living way beneath their, their, where God wants them to live because of their hearts. And Cain and Abel is all about the heart. And it's always about the heart. It, with David and Saul, it was always about the heart. Saul wanted to do it his way. David wanted to do it God's way. David wasn't perfect, but he wanted to do it God's way. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that want to do it his way. It's very different. So, he said, the shipmaster came to him and said, What thou meanest thou? And he told him, and he said on every one of his fellows, Come and let us. Okay, they did that. And they said, Tell us, we pray, and we, what, what are you doing? He said that, and he, I'm a Hebrew, here we are, sorry. And I fear the Lord, and thy, and thy God of heaven, and has made the sea, the one who's made the sea and dry land. So basically he's telling them, my God's the real God. I don't know who you guys are praying at. But see, they're looking at him and say, well, if your God's the God, that's how people in the world, I, I guarantee you, people are like, so you're a Christian, and they're like, well, and then that's why we come on with this strong and all, all, all hell's breaking loose because we're starting to bring these messages all throughout YouTube and all throughout Facebook and thousands and thousands of people are starting to listen to them. And also the world's coming and atheists and all these people are attacking us because the devil knows when we get a hold of the truth what's going to really happen. So these guys are like, okay, oh, oh so you're going to brag your God made heaven and earth and all that and you're, and, and you're like, oh, so, Obviously, because he, he can make the storm. So God will also, God showed me this in this passage too. God will also work all things together. for Even in your rebellion, he'll use you out there to get people also to believe in him. <laughs> so whatever you do, God's still going to use it. But it doesn't matter. God doesn't want that for you. So because look, you're going to see as, as this goes on. So all of them, they're like, okay, you say you fear the Lord. Now you're here. Why? So you don't really fear the Lord. And that's what I think that's, I think right there is a, a great picture of how, I don't want to say false brethren, but, but a lot of them are if they're not doing the will of the Father, right? Jesus said it. So out there in the world's like, you know, Christianity, what, what, what really does a Christian look like? And that's what God's business is like. Well, they're obedient. They're sacrificial. They love even their enemies. It's like the world's like, oh, you yeah, talking about? I just got cursed out by, you know, someone that said they're a Christian. So that's basically, you know, what God's interested in is our hearts to, 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 to obey Him. Because when we obey Him and, we, and really fear Him, not just say, I fear the Lord. Sing a song, we fear you, God. And then all of a sudden you go home and you don't obey Him. The world... And then they put all of us that want to do it in one big old box together. So he said who he was, and he said, I'm the God who created everything. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, They were more afraid than him. Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he, ha he had told them. So the men were asking, now the world's asking, so why are you doing this if the Bible says this or, or God's told you this? That's what we always do. Like, what are you doing? I'm mad at God or I'm not, I don't want to do it. I'm like, do you have a choice? <laughs> He's God. He, he, do you fear Him? He's made the heavens and the earth. Why go on a four days, three days without His presence in a storm? Just Repent. Right? Repent. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom. Of Jonas was telling what was about to come, and he's going to tell them to repent. God just wanted them to go do what he was supposed to do. What he was born to do, what he was called to do, that's what we need to do. So the men were afraid, and because they knew he, he, he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them that he did it. Then said unto him, what shall we do unto thee, that they may be calm unto us? So what are we supposed to do with you? <laughs> You're causing, I mean, we got to have the fear of the Lord. Now, that was fine because he didn't belong with those people. 
But when we're rebellious and we're around the people we belong with, you know, what? we have to have the fear of the Lord. What might God do? And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know it's all about because of me and my sake this great storm has come upon you. It's like, I know it's me, just throw me... He was so adamant and not obeying God. He was ready for the goat and the storm. He wasn't, he's like, just throw me over. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. God wasn't going to let them get out of the storm without getting rid of the problem that was causing the storm. For the sea wrought, and the tempest came against them. Therefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech you, O Lord. And he made them believers too. And he said, Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us the, this innocent blood. For thou art, and has done as it pleased thee. So they took Jonah, and they cast him into the sea. And the sea and the storm ceased, and the waves stopped raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Oh, today's they say they probably repented and, and started vowing them than all the other guys, just like in the book of Acts when he said, you prayed to the unknown God, but Paul said, and he explained who the God was and they saw the miracles. Or you know what also happened when Paul went on a ship and the storm came and then they got, they got shipwrecked and the snake bit them. And they're all other God worshipers. And then he shook the snake off and they started to, to worship Paul in a sense. And Paul said that and preached to us God and they got saved or believed. See, wherever we even get to a place where God, God will use every situation because all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Then they feared Him. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah's like, oh, I'm going to get out of town. There's nowhere. The Bible says, if you make your bed in hell. Remember they even, Jesus made the parallel of him being Jonah in a sense of, you know, and, and taking the sin on and the rebellion on and going and being cast for three days and three nights. Well, the same thing happens to them. And he says, so, and then, he, then Paul says, if you know, if you make your bed in hell, he's there. God was there. It might not have smelled like he was there. It might not have looked like he was there, but God was there. And, Jonah's so and the great fish and swallow him up and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You see, it's God's perfect will in His presence, His peace and joy and righteousness. Jonah disobeyed and made others obey. Jonah's disobedience made others to obey. Blessed are those who are not made an example for others. What I'm saying is, blessed is that we that oh, just obey. You know, not blessed. Okay, you finally obeyed. Blessed are those that obey who are not made an example for others. I don't want to be made an example of a Christian with God. I want to be, a, and I want to be an example what God looks like, not an example of what it looks like to be corrected by God. Three days, three nights in dark, stinky place because of the disobedience, his choice, his fear, his rebellion. Like Jesus taking on these consequences of sin for us. Chapter 2. Jonah prayed unto the Lord out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried. I cried by reason. So he didn't mind the storm now. But now he's kind of like, this fish thing? I don't, I don't really like the fish thing. So God's like, oh, the storm's not going to make you repent? Okay, you just want to die? You want to, well, God's got other plans for you. And he said, he cried by reason and his afflictions, and he heard me out of, out of the belly of hell cried. He now felt like he was in hell. And thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me in the deep, in the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward the holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even thy soul. Now he's being prophetic. 
Even I saw thy depth closed around about me, thy weeds wrapped around my head. He used to think about it. What a miserable place, he's saying. Was that God's intention for Jonah? No. He went down to the bottom of the mountains of the earth, and the bars all about me forever. Yet hast thou brought my life from corruption, O Lord. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and the prayer came in unto thee, in thy holy temple. Thou that observe lying vanities and forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So God's basically, then this prophetic unction comes forth about God rescuing us in the darkness and all these things and Jesus and Jesus says the only sign you'll see is like the sign of Jonah three nights and three and Jesus was uh, you know in the, in the tomb three three days and three nights four days whatever it is I'm not a theologian but that time and then he and he appeared and the Lord spoke unto the fish now God can even speak to fishes and and the Lord spoke unto the fish and he vomited out upon the dry land now, you think God, you think this is a real story? Did this really happen? Is this just a prophetic story? And as did the prodigal son come to his senses, but why, if in the previous chapter, Jonah tells he fears the Lord on one side of his mouth while disobeying him, on the, sounds like insanity, doesn't it? Sounds like a trust issue. Sounds like, the fear of the Lord, but the fear of man and the world. Chapter 3. And the word unto the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go unto Nineveh. Well, he could have, before all that, arose, stayed in the presence of God, and went to Nineveh. Now he just went through all of that. How many of us go through all those things? Then finally, two days, three days, four days, five days, and at the end of it all, you end up doing what God wants anyway. At the end of it all, right? So I'm just trying to just learn to obey Him quickly. Because His sheep hear His voice and the voice of a stranger, you know, obey Him. And I'm not talking about, I mean, we know when we do things and right away we repent anyway. Because, oh, you know, I stepped into sin. You know, I stepped into dung, poof. Clean it off, repent, go boldly to the throne of grace. I'm talking about that, that rebellion, that, that stubbornness is the sin of witchcraft. And in witchcraft, the stubbornness... You know, even the witchcraft that came, the, it, it creates stubbornness and pride because it's like, no, you know. And just think of the little kid does not obey their parents. It's a stubborn uh, attitude and God will. And he'll bring everything will get stinky around us until we begin to, to go where he's told us to do and go. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey. Now he's going like, okay, now he's getting the presents back. And, but I don't think Jonah ever really changes his heart. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And it was a great city, three days journey. Jonah began to enter into the city, a day's journey. And he cried and said, yeah, 40 days and, and, and Nineveh. And that's what I see. It's like that thing. I'm going to obey God. You know that thing about the little boy and he's in the back seat of the car and and, and mom and dad are like, sit down and put your seatbelt on. No. Sit down and put your seatbelt on. And the little boy's like, no, I don't want to. And then consequences come. Say, well, if you don't sit down, you're not going to go out and play. You're going to be grown. And then the little boy sits down. I see this is like Jonah. Right? And the little boy sits down. And so he obeys, right? And then he puts it on. But... but He's still standing up in his heart. See, that's what a lot of Christians do. Oh, I'm going to do it. And see, they're still not going to get the presence of the Lord. They're still not going to really get the blessing because now they're just obeying, but because they don't want to face the consequences. They're not obeying like David. They're not obeying because they, they just want to please God. They're just, they love His presence and they want to, and they know, you know, there's, that difference in obeying too that God's going to start focusing on right here. So, the word came on, and, and, and then Nineveh, okay, then 
40 days, and Nineveh, and he says, 40 days, and the Lord will cry, if you don't repent, you know, this city will be overthrown. So the people then have believed God. Wow, imagine that. And proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least. So all of them, from the kings to the rulers of the city to the, to the poor people to the, to the servants, all came one accord and repented. And he caused it to proclaim and be published to Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast and herd nor flock or thing nor nor drink water. So they did a fast. But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, and let them turn everyone from their evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from this fierce anger? And that's the attitude. God doesn't want the attitude Jonah has. He wants the attitude in us when a prophet, or when he says, like the city of Nineveh right there. We know later on Nineveh ended up, but we're talking about this situation with Nineveh. And God saw their works, and they turned from the evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that they would, he would do unto them, and he did it not. Wow, so man's, one man's obedience saved the whole city. One man's disobedience infected an entire ship of people, expelled out of the presence of God, sat literally in hell for three days and three nights. I pray, God, don't make me, my life, an example for others to fear you. Oh, God, He will work all things together for His purpose. But I, I'm saying that for us. Let our, our example be righteousness. Chapter 4. Now, chapter 4. And, yes, we're going to read the whole book of Jonah. But this is the last one, and it's really short. And he prayed, because it's so good. And he prayed unto the Lord, and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not my saying? Now he's going to get mad at God, because... <laughs> and I was yet in my country. Then, therefore, I fled before unto Tarnish, for I knew that thou art gracious. So he took the grace of God in vain. How many Christians... Take the grace of God in vain all the time. That's the problem, always preaching only grace and the goodness of God without preaching the full counsel of the Word of God. We begin to get people that don't understand that they can't just do everything they want to do. There's consequences for disobedience. That must be always on the first thing of us to make choices because we will not. We will make the choices that our flesh want to make instead of what our spirit. We will begin to be dictated by our flesh and our carnal man and by carnal people than our spirit. But the Bible says only the sons are led by the Spirit of God. And only there's no condemnation when we're walking in the Spirit. When we're in the flesh, the devil comes and makes us and we start to be in our own storms of our own making. So, Therefore I fled, but you're so gracious and merciful, slow to anger and, and, and great kindness, and repenteth thee of evil. Remember, that's what the, that guy said with his one coin that buried He like, said all this stuff, and I knew that you were this and that. And, and he's like, he called him a wicked servant and, and give that one talent to the other one. And then he says, and he went away weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, there's some serious stuff in this, this word that we can't just overlook or we, believe me, we live in a carnal, uh, carnal world and to be carnally minded is to be, and to be at enmity with God. But, so God wants us to be heavenly minded. He wants our mind on things above. So we need to train ourselves, our flesh, to get in that order. Paul said that we, he brings his flesh unto submission of the voice of God, either logos and for sure the rhema word that comes to our hearts that God tells us to do. And then you can't say God knows that you know because He knows everything. He knows your every thought. Millie said, I didn't really know what He wanted me to do. Then that would make Him really unrighteous and unjust. And that really would make Him a God with a question mark. But if He's God and He created all things and everything that was, was and is came from Him, then we got to know that He probably knows everything that we think and do. And if you try to wrap your mind around that, it'll just make you crazy so just don't even go there just obey him and beseech you my life from the and he said 
And, and, he, and, and my life from me, for, and he says, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech you, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Does, does thou well to be angry? So Jonah, how many people say, I just want to die. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it. I just want to die. You know what they're saying? I'm tired of obeying the Lord. I don't want to obey the Lord. I want to die. But they're like, you don't want to die like that. Because if you really feared the Lord, you wouldn't want to die in a condition like that. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side. So now he's mad because they actually repented. With the right heart, you'd be rejoicing. In the right heart, you'd be like, oh, go to, go to Nineveh? Oh, they're going to die? If you had a right heart, you'd, be, you'd head right that direction. You'd be like, oh, you'd be praying to God. God, I pray that they listen to this word to hear it. And you'd pray it with such tenacity that they would the fear of the Lord. But, but, but it was, I think it was a miracle with, with the attitude of, of this prophet that they all repented like that. <laughs> I mean, just basically, he's like, yeah, God's coming in 40. I mean, can you imagine how it was? We go to a crusade or something. We're like, repent. You know, hell's, you know. And they're like, people, okay. It's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, the God. You know, it's just like, they're like, and they're like, yeah, I'm the God of the fear. They're like, really? And these guys are like, well, on the boat, you know, he, yeah, I don't know. But if God's doing this. Let's throw him off the boat. And if we throw him off, that's the lot we're all going to cast. It's going to be Jonah. And if we throw Jonah off the boat and the storm stops, maybe we'll repent and believe that God. But then we're like, what was up with that dude? Because I'll never do that to cause this. And they're like, that's what the world's like. Looks at Christians nowadays. It just blows my mind. So Jonah went out of the city. Because I think one thing God says is, my people take my kindness for a weakness. And we can never... Do that. That is called um, insanity. <laughs> insanity. The insanity of Christianity. Not fearing the Lord. Then he said, Lord, does thou do well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east, pouting on the side of the city, there where he made a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And God, so then he sat there waiting to see what's going to happen. Like, in relationship with God, waiting. That's the heart I'm trying to talk about this message. That's the heart I'm trying to say. Jonah didn't want to see them repent. He wanted just to get it over with, and he wanted to die with the people. That he might be a shadow over his head and deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm... When the morning rose the next day to smote the gourd and it withered. <laughs> so now he's like, you're not going to, until you repent, Jonah, just because you obeyed me, you really have a wrong heart after me. You're not going to, you're, you're still going to have to. So God's like, I'm not done dealing with you just because you're obeying me. Remember the little boy in the seat? Well, he's going to get home and his parents are going to go, you better just lose that attitude. And they're still going to get grounded, no matter if he sat down or not in the seat. So, and I see so many Christians do the same thing. Yeah, I'll go. I'll do it. But they do it with the wrong attitude. But God prepared the worm, and he ate the gourd, and it withered. And now, and it came to pass when the sun did arise, that God prepared. See, there's God's mercy again. A vehement, and the east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and he wished himself to die. And he said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doesn't thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well, I am angry even unto death. Now you're mad at the gourd, then you're mad at the fish, now you're mad. But where did that such that beautiful thing come, come from in chapter 2? God, when you made... I was like, was that way out of context? The whole thing of Jonah's heart and everything. I was like, it was like, it was like something abstracted out of the book of Psalms was just put in there. As I think that's God showing us His mercy when we're in that fish and everything. He, he will deliver us. We're in the, in, in, in the belly of hell. We're, he's good. And, and He's like, don't stay in this type of place. 
Then said the Lord, Has thou had pity on the gourd for at which thou hast not labored, neither madeth it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night? And should I not spare Nineveh? She's like, I had I made all things, and this gourd happened to be right there to make you and you, and now you don't want to have pity on them. I'm not going to have pity on Just like the parable of Jesus about the trespassing. God says if we don't forgive our brother seven times seventy and we hold offense to them and we're, we're in torment in prison. Well, this is where this guy was ended up. And he says that, you know, I forgave you all of your debt and now you're coming and this person owes you way less. And he's talking about Jesus paying the price for us and you not forgiving your brother. Well, this is kind of what he's saying to Jonah. Jonah's whole situation here. He says, Neither made it grow which came up in the night and, peri- and, and came up came, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city wherein one are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between right and their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Here goes Jonah again, his insanity. Remember his cry in cha- chapter 2. Remember your cry and God delivered you, all, all of us, and how good He is and how much He wants us to continue to preach no matter what it looks like because people will repent. People will. The reason God tells us to do things, His ultimate goal is to get as many people into the kingdom of God, to get as many people when they take their last breath on this earth to get into glory. That's God's intention. That's what He's doing. And if He's having us to do something, it has to do with that plan. And we got to understand that and obey Him because when we decide to do what we want because we're looking from our natural eyes or we're looking at the sin of people and then look, Jonah looked at all their sin, forgot how wretched and, and sinful he was and he's saying, I'm the God that's giving you grace and all these things and you continue to act like just like them and you expect better things. Jonah's heart was all... Jonah's heart... Was all It was all his heart. It was so, so selfish. God was always having mercy on Jonah. But Jonah's heart made him. Was it fear of man living, living in a place of torment and confusion and witchcraft out of the, the presence of the Lord? In my whole, everybody can stand up. And I'm going to do some prayer right now. Father, I just pray that everyone that hears this message will hearken unto your voice, O God. Not be like Saul that wants to do things their own way, or be like Jonah that just doesn't want to do it because they're afraid. They're, they, I don't. No one really knows the reason that Jonah just didn't want to do it. Was he afraid that people wouldn't believe him? Was he afraid to do it? But he chose to go the opposite way out of. Father, we look now in the Spirit. We look right now into the, into today, God, into Christianity, into this house, into our own lives, God. And we say the, the things that we, and then we don't obey God. Then we want to blame the devil. Then we want to blame our boss. Then we want to blame this person or that person. But at the end of the day, it always comes back to us. When we're a child of God, You can't blame the devil anymore. You can't blame anybody else anymore, but only yourself. Because God will never allow more than we can handle, and He'll never put us in in a storm that's not for our own good, and He'll never. But when when He has to cause us, when we cause a storm out of disobedience and witchcraft, and we become under confusion and all those things and begin to be sorrowful and in a place of delusion, Most of the times it's our choice if we're born again and we're blood-bought. So Father, I pray that this word will bring the fear of the Lord and make us more wiser in our decisions and our actions and and, and that, that obedience will become automatic. It'll become an automatic thing. It won't become a thing that we ponder or we have to wrestle with for one day, two days, and everything starts to stink around us, and we start to get miserable, we start to get cranky, and we start not wanting to be around people because of our own decisions of rebelling against God. Then we start getting mad at God, 
and, and God only has the best intentions for us. And if He has us to sacrifice, He'll, he'll give us the blessing and He gives us the kingdom. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So Father, we seal this word by Your blood and we thank You, Father, and we bless Your holy name and we ask You to help us and guide us. Father, the steps of the righteous are ordered by you, Lord. I want to be a righteous walker. I want to be walking in your presence in the cool of the day, walking in the garden, continuously in relationship with you, God. I don't want to be a rebellious son that, that sits down but has a heart still doing whatever I want in my mind and in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.